0: This is a Radio 1 91FM podcast.
1: Right now, I'm joined by Professor Phil Bishop, uh, the Frog Professor uh, from the Department of Zoology and Co-Chair of the International Union for Conservation of Nature's Amphibian Specialist Group and Chief Scientist of the Inf- uh, Amphibian Survival Alliance. Well, well, well Good morning.
0: <laughs>
1: the big title. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> um... You you must have been one of those kids that got fascinated by frogs as a child, but never grew up.
0: I'm afraid that is exactly right. <laughs> yeah, I started getting interested when I was about four years old, and I've just loved amphibians since then. And, and it's, I realise now, from uh, academic point of view, it's been so easy for me to outline my career. I've just wanted to work on frogs. Yeah. 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 Well, it's great. I mean, you just had a purpose and a thing to, you wanted to
1: do, and you just did it.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, you have students coming to me nowadays, and I say, well, what are you interested in? Oh, I'm interested in everything. And i yeah. like, yeah.
1: <laughs> not a good answer. No, you've got yeah. to specialize. Yeah. Doctors do it. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, You know, it's yeah. the same, I guess, for, for uh, all the sciences. Um, Right, you're giving a Thirst for Knowledge seminar, Um, The Survival of Earth Depends on Frogs. That's tonight at Umbrellas from 5.30 through to 6.30, one of these um, loose seminars that they have over there.
0: It's quite fun. Yeah, no, it's great. You know, beer and talks and, yeah, uh, yeah, it's just really good fun.
1: Indeed. And, of course, um, as I said, it's all in the title, really. Now, um, frogs are under attack from many fronts. Uh, like most species around the world really Um, you know human encroachment uh, exploration, chemicals introduced pests uh, they all have big roles to play Um, as well as in New Zealand um, the depleted ozone layer uh, was a big thing for frogs uh, around the southern hemisphere Um, but frogs are also in a position of being sensitive, really sensitive to air pollutions and changes in climate uh, which makes them the canary in the coal mine really in terms of climate change
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, very good. You know, I'd like to pick up on one of the first things you said there that, like many animals around the world, they're in decline. Mm. And that's often what people talk about. And they say, well, you know, all biodiversity is declining. Why should we care about frogs even more? Well, when we look at birds, we've only got about 13% of birds that are threatened with extinction. We look at mammals, 25%, which is pretty serious Mm. for mammals, and everyone loves the cute and fluffy furry things. When we look at frogs, we've got close to 50% are threatened with extinction. So they're far more endangered than both birds and mammals put together. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, they're, they're even more susceptible to climate change than a lot of other animals like birds and mammals. I mean, with climate change, subtle differences over the next hundred years of a couple of degrees, most birds and mammals will be able to cope all right because they control their own temperatures. They're not dependent on the external temperatures for breeding. They might get a bit screwed up with the change in seasons. But when we look at amphibians, They are ectothermic, so they can't control their temperature. It's reliant on the outside temperature. They're also incredibly sensitive to changes in moisture levels. Mm. So they, they have to remain moist. So even if you look at the rainfall and you think we've got the same rainfall, but it comes in one lump at the beginning of the month and then it's dry and another lump at the end of the month, that'll kill a frog, even though the rainfall patterns... Look the same, yeah. So they've got to remain moist all their lives,
1: yeah. And and birds and mammals, to an extent, can migrate. Yeah, they can move away if they don't like it. They can, you know, that's what people do. If they don't yeah. like it, they go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we're saying, you know, I'm we'll bring up polar bears, because uh, it's a big one. But you know, they have to go further afield um, to to eat, essentially, yeah. and they can do that. But frogs might not necessarily have no, the ability
0: to no, do. No, you know, and particularly, you know, I mean, some frogs do migrate. Um, quite large distances for a little, little sort of creepy crawly. Yeah. But our native frogs in New Zealand will live uh, their whole lives, which will be over 40 years, on the size of a tabletop.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's crazy.
1: <laughs> um. Why are they so susceptible to changes in, um, you know, in pollution and in um, climate? What makes them? Obviously, you mentioned um, water.
0: Um, but what else is there? Because we all know our frogs breathe through their skin. That's right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, some frogs breathe entirely through their skin and they don't have any lungs, which is really interesting. Wow. But I would say on the on the whole, most frogs are using about 50% skin respiration and 50% with their lungs. So because they're using, they've got this incredibly sensitive skin mm-hmm. and it's a moist membrane, sort of like the, the membrane of your lungs, like but on the outside, so any pollutant in the air or in the soil or in the water will just go straight through their skin yeah um, it 's a tough it 's a fairly tough barrier you know they they don 't um, break very easily that you know if you're going to cut them it 's quite tough to cut a frog, um, but their skin is very um, permeable to anything in, in the in the sort of solution around them.
1: Yeah, because they've got a lot of glands around as yeah. well, you know, and once you get chemicals inside a gland, as I know with my thyroid, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's, it's you're in trouble. Yeah, exactly. You're yeah. in a lot of trouble. Um, you know, so... The, the climate, you know, so that's the that's that's a huge thing. But there's also, um, in terms of New Zealand, you know, we're always talking about farm runoff and, and the like, and we've got to put a lot of nitrogens in our soils and everything else, and. There's a lot of talk at the moment with uh, chemicals like Roundup and the glycosols or whatever it's called um, that are in that and could be causing cancer, might not be. It's another one of those big tobacco moments that we're in right now. Um, But, you know, that kind of stuff and that kind of runoff, uh, even small amounts are really detrimental, aren't they? Uh,
0: Absolutely, and again, it's because of their amazing skin. Hmm. They can just absorb these things through the skin. One of the big worries is that uh, there's a lot of sublethal effects So like Roundup, it can cause, well, sorry, it's reported to have been able to cause cancer in rats and things like that. So quite likely it will do in frogs and humans and other animals. So you might be able to see the frogs and you think, well, it looks perfectly healthy. But of course, on the inside, it's it's a mess Mm. and it's not going to make it through to the next generation. And because they're very moist, squishy creatures, you don't often find a dead frog. So you simply go to your pond, you work on the frogs, they all look okay, but of course inside they're not, mm. um, and you go there next year and they're all gone. No evidence, no dead frogs to do a post-mortem on or anything like that. So it's really difficult to try and work out why frogs disappear because you don't have a lot of evidence to find the bodies.
1: Yeah, and it misses with the, like the whole DNA structure and, and the reproduction rates and, and how they reproduce and you're getting a lot of um, you know, th- three-legged frogs or... Yeah. Things not like
0: you? I mean, I, I mean more, more of a worry is there's is, is a herbicide commonly used in New Zealand and very commonly around the world, apart from the country that manufactures it, which don't <laughs> use it. Surprise, <laughs> surprise. And it's called atrazine. And what it does is that it f- chemically castrates frogs. So it's got, I mean, it's a complicated process, but it essentially makes male frogs grow eggs in their testes. And so they then produce female hormone, so you look at the frog and you think it's fine, but it won't produce a mating call, it won't try and breed, so of course the population over a couple of years just disappears. Um, With a whole load of healthy looking frogs, unless you cut them up and you look inside, you do histology on their testes and you think, what the hell, they've got eggs in their testes. Yeah, yeah. Uh And that's a really, really low parts, like 0.1 parts per billion. So that's, you know, and humans drink that. Yeah, that's
1: crazy. And, and when you're dealing with frogs, I guess you'd, you'd, a lot of the time you're talking about um, small, localized populations. And there can be difference in one population over here. And on the other side of the hill, there could be a difference as well. So even when you're dealing with having to maybe cut them open to have a look, you're
0: probably messing with the population right there. Absolutely. And, you know, and it's because frogs in general don't move a lot. So you can have uh, little little barriers, even on different sides of a major highway. Yeah. So highways sort of uh, act as real barriers for amphibians because it's a horrible dry area to cross and there's big trucks and cars mm. zooming past. So you will get differences in populations that have been separated by roads for uh, a number of years. Wow. Wow, um why
1: are they so important to the ecosystem, other than being that canary in the coal mine um, you know wh- why did- why should we care about frogs? What do they actually do for us
0: yeah it's it 's always a difficult question and uh, I mean from an ecological point of view, they play a really important role in the ecosystem that the the tadpoles are converting um, nutrients from the water to the terrestrial environment, mm-hmm. the adults themselves are Consuming a lot of invertebrates and they themselves then fall uh, prey to higher vertebrates like uh, birds and mammals and snakes and reptiles. So they play that's probably the most key component. Mm. But the problem is that not many people, apart from educated students from Otago and people like that, (laughs) um, actually care much about that. So the main reason what I like to tell people is that frogs have been used over um, over a hundred years for really important medical advances yeah so a lot of the early antibiotics came from frog skin uh, they've been used in medicine for cord regeneration cancer treatments HIV treatments um, so they're really useful for humans um, from a pharmacological point of view,
1: yeah, and, and I'm I'm assuming like if, like a lot of other uh, creatures as well. We haven't discovered them all, and there'll be more out there. Absolutely, uh, yeah. You know, with, with which
0: could help us more, more in in that realm. Yeah, I mean they're a treasure trove of pharmacologically active substances, and you get a lot of people. Uh, who that's what they do. They just go, they catch frogs that haven't been looked at before, they get all their skin secretions, and then they test them to see what sort of chemical properties they have.
1: Yeah, yeah. and I guess, you know, with a new president coming into Brazil uh, and his plans to clear the forests, you know, that's, yeah. that, that's dangerous.
0: It It is, you know, and I, was, I went to Brazil um, a few years ago, and even then I looked at the rainforest and I thought, its days are numbered. Yeah. You know, everything's gone. A lot of animals are being killed out of the rainforest. All the other animals that are there are still very nervous. So if we've got a Trump-like person coming into um, power over there, then um, I think we're going to say goodbye to a lot of really important things. Yeah,
1: yeah. What, I mean, what can we learn from the frogs about what we're doing to the globe? to
0: ourselves. Yeah, I mean, it's like we talked about that they are really important environmental indicators. And lots of people have said they're like a barometer of the health of the environment. Mm. So if frogs start to disappear, we know we're doing something really bad to the environment and um, it 's time to either change or find a new environment yeah we don 't have too many other options to find a new environment
1: yeah and do we feel that they 're listening you know i mean do, do Do climate scientists use frogs in their studies and and, and you know do they take the the data from um, some of the research you may have done or some of your colleagues to Paris and the like and use that as as you know, as as the showing of a, a barometer? Yeah I mean I'd love to say yes
0: but
1: <laughs> <laughs> no they don't no they don't because they talk about the coral reef
0: right yeah you, you know, know and the frogs could be the above ground coral reef yeah no exactly right but the problem is that frogs suffer from a a, a sort of a almost like a stigma that they they're not considered serious they're not considered important um you know if it was polar bears you know yeah. i mean everyone's worried about the polar bears but polar bear is one species We've got nearly 8,000 species of amphibian, of which nearly 4,000 are threatened with extinction. Mm -hmm. Um, So, uh, you know, they're much more significant, uh, particularly in my view, than something like the polar bear or the panda. How do we get get them out there? I mean, we can't make them cute and cuddly. They are really cute. Yeah, it's quite amazing (laughs) because when you talk to people and you say, oh, you know, frogs are not very charismatic, a lot of people say, no, they are. I think they're really charismatic. And of course I do. That's, you know, I just love frogs and... I work on them and Obviously. I try and every opportunity I can, I try to, to make people feel the same. Do, do we need to make, you know,
1: so, sorry, but can we make Kermit
0: an ambassador
1: for frogs, you know? Because everybody loves Kermit, I know. They you know. do,
0: they do. Poor old Kermit. I mean, Kermit <laughs> is older than I am. Um, I think Kermit was first in, he first appeared on TV in 1953. So he's a really old guy um, and he he's actually part of the, partly to blame for people looking at amphibians the way they do because he's very comical so people think amphibians are funny (laughs) uh, and therefore they don't take them seriously so i I blame kermit for a lot of negative press that frogs get damn you can <laughs> yeah
1: damn you all right so um what uh what, what are we going to
0: learn tonight what are you what are you going to talk about this thirst for knowledge uh i'm going to talk really about how important amphibians are to humans and how important humans are to frogs mm. um so i'm not going to tell people too much more otherwise they're not going to come tonight yeah that's right <laughs> that's right uh, exactly. I mean, I had many more questions, but I thought i better not ask That's them. right. I mean, there's things like noise.
1: Um, there's a lot of things. Lot of oh, things. yeah.
0: I mean, today's a great night for frogs. They'll be croaking away up in Harriet Road and Pitt Street and all yeah. around the campus. Yeah, we'll have people complaining about the noise of frogs tonight. It's <laughs> a so good night for frogs. Oh,
1: and it's a good night to go and learn a bit about them as well uh, with Professor Phil Bishop. Thrust uh, for Knowledge, the survival of the earth depends on frogs. Tonight at the Umbrellas Kitchen from 5.30. Through to six thirty, go get yourself a pint of Emerson's uh, or whatever it is you want, and um, go and have a good time. Thank you very much. Great, thanks very much, Jamie.
0: Thanks for listening to Radio One Ninety One FM podcast. All of our content lives online at r1.co.nz.